the Laps Factor Podcast. What is up, lacrosse fans? You are watching the 68th episode of the Lax Factor Lacrosse Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about North Carolina, Jacksonville, and Navy. We're going to do 2020 previews for those three teams in that order. They both they all had a scrimmage last weekend, and we have some highlights thanks to a, a follower that was at the game that took a bunch of video. So link in the description to their social media uh, pages where you can actually go and see more of the highlights from that game and other things that they put out. Question of the day before we get into this, what do you think or who do you think currently sits outside the top 10 in the D1 polls that you think has the best chance of making the final four? I ask that question specifically because we're talking about North Carolina today. They are on the outside of the top 10. And I think of all the teams on the outside of the top 10, they may have one of the best chances of making the final four. So what other teams out there in uh, YouTube, podcast world, Facebook world, Twitter world, Instagram world, where do you, who do you all think outside the top 10 right now has a really good chance of making the final four let us know in the comments you can hashtag lax factor and answer the question and uh, what we'll do is kind of go through see who answered and we'll put those answers up on the next episode as always be sure to like subscribe hit the notification bell so that you're notified when we put out more videos also be sure to watch our li- or listen i should say to our new show on anchor.fm forward slash lax factor called lax factor lacrosse daily we're putting out a daily podcast on every day that we don't do one of these big shows Uh, Monday through Friday. So we're four episodes deep already. So you can go to anchor.fm forward slash lax factor to check that out. And also, if you want to support the podcast beyond that, just go to laxfactor.com. You can buy t-shirts, hats, polos, coffee mugs, all sorts of stuff, or you can just watch our videos there and support us that way. So I want to get into this now. And I want to talk first about uh, University of North Carolina. Is that what it is? The University of North Carolina? Yeah, UNC. So UNC, they have struggled over the course of the last four years. They won the national championship, I believe, in 2016. They have gone one in three in the ACC during the regular season every every year since then. So they did manage to win the ACC tournament one year, and they eked out uh, a tournament uh, bid that year, and I think they lost to Albany in the first round. I'll get to that here as I'm talking. But overall, UNC's Achilles heel, has beyond just losing in the ACC and what's kept them out of the NCAA tournament as a uh, is non-conference losses uh, in 20 even in 2016 where the year that they won the national title they had a lot of non-conference losses that year uh, Hofstra beat them in 2016 and 2017 and 2018 they lost to Richmond in 2017 and 2018 in 2017 they did make the NCAA tournament with an 8 and 7 overall record after winning the freaking ACC tournament uh, but they lost to Albany in the first round that year was a really down year it seemed for them until the end until they got those uh, two wins to win the ACC tournament and then get into the NCAAs and there wasn't an auto bid i think they ended up with an at large because they handled their business and they had a couple of really good upsets that year 2018 they start 6-0. Everything looked great. They looked to be handling their non-conference business, and then they lose to Denver, and that started. The, that was the beginning of a seven-game skid. They won their first six, lost their next seven, and then beat Notre Dame in a meaningless game to finish the season, uh, finished 7-7 seven and seven in 2018. In 2019, they finished 8-7 and seven, thanks to handling their non-conference business. They still lost their butts in the ACC. They still went one and three in the ACC. They lost to Virginia twice. 
last year, once in the regular season, once in the ACC tournament, but they finished eight and seven thanks to them not dropping any of those non-conference games. They lost to Hopkins, Denver, and Maryland non-conference, but they beat everyone that they were supposed to beat, which is not normally the case for them. They beat Mercer, Harvard, Marist, and the like. Still, no NCAA tournament bid as they finished one and three in the ACC again. And, you know, we're, we're simply 500 before the ACC tournament started, but they were a better lacrosse team overall. And this year they return a lot of that talent that helped them get to that winning, you know, above 500 mark. Most notably, Chris Gray. UNC landed the highest profile transfer of the offseason in Boston U's Chris Gray. He was an All-American last year. He was a Tewartan finalist. He put up 111 points in 2019 on 49 goals and 62 assists. Now, before UNC fans get a little get too excited in terms of they're sitting here thinking about Chris Gray putting up those points without the playoffs, they did play, I think, 18 games, Boston U did, maybe even 19 games or 17 games. I think Boston U played 17 to 18 games last year, whereas UNC still only played 15. So he did do that in a couple more games. I do not see Chris Gray getting over the 100-point threshold at UNC simply because I don't think they play a style of lacrosse that is going to be conducive to that. I think he's got a lot more help around him. So what one of the things I do expect is that you may even see his goal numbers go down slightly, but his assist numbers stay about the same. So I feel like you, he's probably going to put up 50-plus assists. He's probably going to score 35-plus goals, but it is going to be hard for him to equal that point output, not because he's not capable. It's just because it's a different system, and he's playing with a lot more talent around him on the offensive side. Another key addition for UNC is going to be getting Will Bowen back. Bowen... I believe it was an ACL injury. It was a knee injury, season-ending knee injury before the season started last year. And uh, he's they're going to need him badly to, to get back to form. He was a freshman last year, so he hasn't even played. As they say, he hasn't taken a snap yet if this was football. But he is a really solid – he's a monster, 6'3", 220. This kid will hopefully – get worked right into the mix and hopefully that knee is uh is not still affecting him on the offensive side as I said they have a wealth of talent returning that starts I got a little nose itch here that starts with Nikki Solomon sophomore 20 goals 10 assists Jacob Kelly 11 goals 17 uh, uh 11 goals 17 points Justin Anderson, 19 goals, 6 assists. Will Perry, 26 goals, 95 shots on goal, it looks like. That's a lot of shots on goal. you gotta, you got to do better, Will Perry. Uh, Tanner Cook, 15 goals, 63.4 uh, shots on goal percentage. So his his I didn't it doesn't say what his shooting percentage is. I'm wondering if it's not that good. Uh, they got a Fogo in Zach Tucci, who's a 50-50 guy. But I I read in one of the boards on Fanlax that their freshman faceoff guy who who had been subbing Tucci apparently due to injury or something like that is um, he's looked really good. Apparently he looked really good, and when called upon, he handled his business at the faceoff dot. So that is good defensively. This is where UNC has struggled, and this is where they struggled last year. They got a young, they had a young defense last year. They have a young defense again, even younger possibly. Uh, Cam Macri, I think that's how you pronounce that. Senior, he's back. He played 15 games last year, but that's kind of it. They'll depend on a bunch of young guys: uh, Evan Egan, Zach Young, Bowen, and more. They're going to have to play wise beyond their years for North Carolina to have a real shot at, at winning the ACC. Virginia's loaded. Syracuse is loaded. Duke is always. Duke does not appear to be as loaded. I would almost think that Duke looks like they're kind of the third team and that Notre Dame may even be in line with them. But even with adding Chris Gray, the question for UNC becomes, do they still have the weakest defense in the ACC? And the answer is possibly. Uh, They're going to hope 
that Caton Johnson in cage, uh, that he's going to be solid and that he's going to have a good February because in February he is going to get tested with this young defense. So this is one of those seasons, again, where if UNC can handle their non-conference business early and in February and early January, they've got a good shot at making the tournament even if they don't fare well in the ACC. But I think for UNC, one of the keys is going to be they need to go 2-2 two and two in the ACC during the regular season. They need to pick up a non-conference game against one of the big cats they play and win one of those games at least, and then they have to handle their business against all of their non-conference foes. I think that UNC is looking at a slightly better than 500 season, even with their tough schedule, but it'll be really easy for them to slip to 500 or below uh, if they drop a game early due to that defense being a little bit green. So I think that with the Chris Gray thing, no, there's just tons of reasons to be optimistic for UNC between having a solid goalkeeper in cage, between having a, a lot of really young talent. Like when I say they have young talent on defense, this is young talent that eventually is going to develop into a really good defensive team. 2021, 2022, UNC's defense is going to be one of their strengths as they're starting to lose some of the offensive talent they've had. But right now, that defense is just a little bit green. Not that they can't come together and play really solid lacrosse. They could. And then you throw in all of these guys, Solomon, Kelly, Anderson, Perry, Cook, and throw Chris Gray into the mix with other guys on offense that'll step up. I think they were saying they could legitimately go nine middies deep with all the offensive talent they have. Now, granted, that's fans saying that of the team that I was reading in the Fanlax board. So I don't think they're really going to be capable of going nine mids deep in the ACC and then having that work out for them. They're going to have to keep that to two solid lines, but they have a really good team and there's reason to be optimistic if you are a UNC fan. All right. So I had to take a breath and sniff in your ear real quick. We get into next Jacksonville. Jacksonville in the, in the scrimmages this weekend, they actually beat UNC. They went up early before UNC kind of chipped away. What the word was was that Jacksonville came out hungry. UNC looked a little bit lackadaisical. UNC woke up by the time they played Navy, and they, they played Navy really well. Uh, so Jacksonville beats up on UNC and then gets beat up by Navy to a degree. They look good is what everybody said. Galloway stated he was glad to see some up and down play. He was glad that they got to play with a lead against UNC. He was glad that they got to play from down against Navy because it gave them a chance to see how the guys were going to do in those scenarios. Returning for them, uh, Jack Dolan set the program record for points as a midfielder and he is back to trash on the SoCon in 2020. Galloway expects both Evan Tyler, 37 goals and 11 assists last year. Bowen was 30 and 24, if I didn't say that. Evan Tyler, 37 goals, 11 assists. Jeremy Winston, who Galloway mentioned specifically as having a really good fall, and he expected big things out of him this spring, 12 goals, three assists. Uh, and then, you know, both of those guys were already tough. Uh, but Tyler was the big cat. He he led UNC in goals last year, and he also won our Dope Hair and Stash Award in the fall. And that actually made a bunch of people mad that I said whatever terrible things I said about him. But he did reach out, and he said he personally was cool with it. Other offensive guys back. Bo Bowhunter, 17 goals, 4 assists. So he should do really well uh, this upcoming spring. Brendan McKenna, 11 goals, 9 assists. So they have a lot of offensive firepower. Once again, with these guys, typically it's defense. But this year, I'm not sure that I'm going to complain about their defense. They've got Colin Hinton, uh, physical, great team leader. They have a bunch of starters coming back, Jordan Young and Zach Deacon. Uh, they were top. They were their two top three turnover forcers. So they return talent on the defensive end of the field as well. The SoCon is tough, though. You've got to deal with uh, Richmond and High Point. 
and the SoCon, and both of those teams are tough. So Jacksonville still has, you know, quite a hill to climb in order to get themselves into the finals in the SoCon, but they have a very good shot. I think that the SoCon is going, it, it, it's going to be a really good conference this year, and whoever comes out of that conference could potentially make some noise in the NCAA tournament, but they are still going to be a one, a one bid team. So uh, they're going to Jacksonville in order to get themselves into the NCAA tournament. They are going to have to win that SoCon tournament. That's going to be really, really big for them, really key for them. But as long as they can handle their shit in, in the early parts of the season and once again win those non-conference games and then finish 500 in their conference, then they should make the conference tournament and they should be able to get themselves. Well, you know, they make the conference tournament. You got a shot. You got a shot. And they are good enough to play with just about anybody in 2020. We get into Navy next. And uh, Navy, they have a new coach in Joe Amplo. I've seen guys, uh, Navy guys that have loved this hire. I've seen some that have hated it. I haven't actually reached out to any of the guys that I actually know that, that played for Navy um, because I do know a couple, but uh, I'm, I'm for it. I think Amplo is, a, is an excellent hire for Navy. I think he's going to bring a lot of excitement and energy to this team, and I think it'll be good for Navy, Navy in the long run. But, I say but, they have a tough schedule. They have a tough schedule. They play in a tough conference. Uh, they're going to have a hard time, I think, getting above Army and Loyola. And, I mean, that that's not even to name a couple of the others in their conference. So it's they lost some important pieces in Grayson Torian and in Ryan Wade, two of their top scorers. They were two of their top three scorers. They're both gone. I think Torian was their third leading scorer, and I think Wade was their first leading scorer. Gone. Back, Christian Daniel. 31 goals, 12 assists last year. Nick Cole, 20 and 9 last year. Jack Sweeney, 16 and 7. Michael Foster, 12 and 8. So those guys, as long as they jump up their production, which we have no reason to believe that they won't, they should be good. Uh, they're gonna. Those guys are going to have holes to fill. Haha, <laughs> that's what I said. Uh, that's kind of gross. But uh, the issue was the offense wasn't all that hot last year. You lose two of your top three scorers from an offense that wasn't all that great last year, and uh, that's going to make things a little bit tough for you. On defense, Jacob Mandish comes back. He was their leading turnover threat with 10 caused turnovers. Their second leading turnover guy who is back, Jack Sweeney, an attackman. So this is honestly, it's been a rough stretch for Navy here over the last couple of years. And I don't see this. I see this as still being part of a rebuild for Navy because they just, they, they, they lose a guy like Tory uh, terrain, who was a, um, a good two way player. And now they are left with what they have, you know, a bunch of unproven talent, but it is, is, and I've just made a bunch of Navy faithful mad. The reality with the, with the academies is, is, and this is what I always say with them is they don't always have the best talent. They don't always have the blue chip athletes. They don't always have all Americans. What they do have is freak athletes, big players, physically strong players, and some of the most well-disciplined players in the world. They have some of the most disciplined athletes on the face of the planet earth playing for Navy and playing for army and, and air force and all of the academies. So I think with Navy, even though they're they're looking on paper and on their roster like they could potentially struggle, there's nothing saying that Amplo can't get these guys hyped, that just being in that new system could add a little bit of energy that could cause these guys to overachieve. If any team in the country is capable of overachieving, it's either Army or Navy, in my opinion, and they have done that numerous times over the years as I've watched them. 
Uh, bright spot on defense, though. Ryan Kern back as a senior after putting up a 54% save percentage last year. I don't think the defense is going to be worse. I think that's going to be something for Navy. The defense is going to be a little bit better. I don't think they could be worse. And then offensively, they could be a little bit worse, but it, it could even out in terms of the offense and, and the defense kind of uh, improving or getting worse together. So I think that Navy is probably going to finish about same way they did last year, but if they overachieve a little bit, maybe the new blood, uh, the coaching change could help them. So you know they're they're a team with a lot to prove. But no, and and the only other problem with the academies is the years that the academies are down, nobody ever takes them lightly. Nobody, Navy or Army, they never roll in to anywhere. And the team that they're playing uh, on paper, even if it's somebody who should beat them by five to ten goals, that team never takes them lightly because while you're watching them warm up, you're looking at a bunch of titans. You're looking at a bunch of really big, really strong guys that are really excitable, that are very disciplined and kind of together. They're, I, I presume they're warm-ups to a degree, while not probably intimidating to other teams. It's one of those things where when you look across the way, you're not ever thinking that this is a team that you can take lightly, lightly and that you're going to be able to just beat up on in any given day so look out for navy because navy is going to be solid and uh but even though they're not going to i don't think they're they're going to have a hard time making their conference tournament possibly they're definitely not going to win their conference i don't think but uh that's why people show up and uh, that's why they play the game so other things i wanted to talk about quick we are ditching the idea for the pro lacrosse show for now and on February 9th, we're going to get with the, the team from Pro Lacrosse from the Pro Lacrosse Talk podcast. And we're going to have them sit down with me and they're going to do the Pro Lacrosse show with me because I did, as I said in the daily podcast yesterday, I recorded it and I started cutting it up and I was like, you know what? I, I'm phoning this in. I don't know enough about these guys to be solid. I know about every one of these guys in the college game. I've, I've, talked about these guys for a, over a year now. I've watched, I watch more college lacrosse than anything. I don't watch a whole lot of pro, pro lacrosse. So I could tell I was phoning it in on that pro lacrosse show. So no, no pro lacrosse show as planned this week or next week. We're going to shoot with the pro lacrosse talk guys. You can check their podcast out pro lacrosse talk anywhere you get podcasts. We're going to shoot with them on February 9th and put the first show out. Hopefully that following week. I think February 9th is a Sunday that we're going to record with them. And I think moving forward, our pro lacrosse show will be a joint venture between uh, my channel and uh, their channel. So watch out for that. And other than that, just like I said, be sure to uh, go to anchor.fm forward slash lax factor. Be sure to check out the lax factor lacrosse daily podcast. It's a daily podcast. We put out 15 to 30 minutes, depending on the day. Uh, and we'll put that out every day. We don't do a big show. So moving forward here, that Daily Lacrosse podcast will come out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday because Thursdays will always put this big show out, and uh, that'll be it. So, again, as always, thank you for watching. Uh, if you want to support the channel, you can go to laxfactor.com, and you can get yourself some swag, hats. I don't have my hat on today. Hats polos, t-shirts, coffee mugs, other stuff. Um, you can also like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, share the podcast with anybody. Go to anchor.fm forward slash lax factor to listen to our daily audio podcast or anywhere else that you get podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple podcasts, all of those places as always. Thank you for watching and enjoy. <laughs>